0: Perimenopause is a time when everything can go crazy. How do you take care of yourself so that you are not sweaty and bitchy? Listen to the end of the episode to understand this phrase. In today's episode, we answer three key questions. How do you know if you are in true perimenopause? What are the ways you lose sleep in perimenopause? What are foundational and deeper aspects to help perimenopause symptoms and sleep? I had to invite Dr. Wendy Trubo back for this topic. Dr. Wendy Trubo, MD, is a functional medicine gynecologist practicing functional medicine since 2009. While her credentials allow her to have a solid medical backdrop to help women achieve vitality, Her own health journey has also inspired her methods of care. Through her struggles with mold and toxicity, Trubo has developed a deep sense of compassion for what patients face. She's co-authored the book Dirty Girl, Ditch the Toxins, Look Great and Feel Freaking Amazing, which became an Amazon bestseller in 5 categories in 24 hours. Let's get started. Hey everyone, I'm Deepa, light Functional Medicine Practitioner, author in Guinea, and you're listening to the Sleep Whisperer Podcast, the only sleep podcast with conversations and meditations. I'm on a mission to share profoundly insightful sleep conversations with global visionaries that merge together functional medicine and ancient wisdom. Breathe in bliss through weekly guided meditations and let yourself enter the land of dreams. Together, let's unravel the pieces, get to the roots and understand the right tools to transform your sleep completely. Through this podcast, I want you to dream the best version of yourself. It's time to regain hope and begin your sleep journey. Dr. Trubo, always a pleasure to have conversations with you. And I'm especially excited about this one because uh, for one, I love talking to women about women's health. And uh, we're talking about perimenopause and sleep there's so many nuances to this conversation so i would like us to dive deep into all those areas starting with of course how do i know i'm in perimenopause and the reason i'm asking you this is that a few years ago mm-hmm. i'm i'm 46 now and a few years ago i started to have these very erratic period 18 day 45 days and Um, At that point, you know, when my mother told me I menopause at 43, uh, I took it Mm. for granted for a few uh, days. And then it was my gynecologist, thanks to her, who said, that's not, I would rather you don't menopause this early. Uh, So what I did was I focused on intentionally um, supporting my hormones and doing a lot of therapies from ancient wisdom and taking some herbs. And uh, lo and behold, a few months later, my cycle regularized. And then uh, Mm -hmm. I was back to having a regular cycle. That said, I'm 46. And it's not that it's there are. I do have some here and there. I can feel the impact that when there's a stressful time, maybe I wake up in the night sweating. Uh, so mm-hmm. while the period is technically on track, I can feel some symptoms of being in menopause. So, how do we know that we
1: are in perimenopause? This is such a really nuanced conversation, Deepa, because there's a lot of things that can throw us off so let's start with a few things that that could really just throw your cycles off and it's not perimenopause but then it might be so uh severe stress like you mentioned if you're in stress that can throw off your periods and make you think oh well maybe i'm in perimenopause but you're just really stressed uh being really sick your body interprets that as stress. And so that can appear as perimenopause. Severe adrenal fatigue can give you symptoms of menopause. You can have night sweats, jitteriness, brain fog, anxiety. So so there's a lot of things that aren't perimenopause, but there's a lot of things that are. So let's talk about sort of big, broad brushstrokes. Peri means on or about. So approximately when women are age 45, about 45, they are considered perimenopausal. So if you're 45 or older, you're you're considered perimenopause. You're in it. Congratulations, you made it this far, you're in it. Between 45 and 50 is typically when women start to experience changes in their bodies. That includes changes in their cycle length, changes in their cycle strength, symptoms around their periods either premenstrual tension breast tension irritability sorry breast discomfort brain changes brain fog memory issues that can persist outside of the pms period sleep changes hot flashes night sweats vaginal dryness change in lubrication irritability all changes in hair hair thinning all of those can be signs of perimenopause But let's start with if you're 45 or over, you're perimenopausal and you're going to start to experience this. The average age of menopause is approximately 50 to 51. Some women do it earlier like your mom did. And some people do it later. I have a patient who's 60, who is still getting her periods almost every month. So it is a huge range in what to expect, but essentially any change in your baseline. And I didn't mention weight gain weight changes body composition changes feeling like you're putting on weight in the midsection as opposed to in your bum but putting it really in the belly is another sign oh uh, my hormones may be shifting so there's a a huge list
0: yeah that was a great sign and i mean Mm -hmm. of course that uh, putting on weight in the belly probably can also happen with so many other things and I think probably when you talk about belly fat you'll get the most attention because everybody's wanting to listen to what can you do about that Um, and wow I mean 60 seems a lot Uh, that's the first I've ever heard of it to think that somebody
1: could still have babies till then Wow. Yep. And uh, mm-hmm. as, just... as of last year, she was fertile. I was like, you need to use birth control. Oh, because wow. Because
0: just a few days ago, I was joking with my husband when there was a news article about Robert De Niro having had a baby at 72. And I said that only oh. men can get away with this. And, uh, you know, obviously biology decides it for women. Um, but coming back to menopause, um, perimenopause so when you said 50 51 for menopause so technically at 45 we are in menop- perimenopause so what are the wide range of symptoms that we can expect and um, we can come to how to address some of that broadly later but what what are the symptoms we typically we think of hot flashes, but for me, it, can, it was also at certain pockets of time, especially when stress was a bit higher, it was feeling anxious in the middle of the night, waking up and feeling uh, the problem wasn't so severe. But when I woke up in the night, I would have a little bit of heart racing and feel a flutter and feel as if a small problem was magnified.
1: Yeah, this is a really, you really highlight an, uh, a critical issue, which is that stress and the impact on the adrenals have profound impact on our experience in perimenopause. And so just to back up a sec, you're considered menopausal when you haven't had a period in a year or more. So essentially you cross that threshold when there's been no vaginal bleeding for a year or more. And it's hard if you've had a hysterectomy, you might not know that you're bleeding if you retained your ovaries. So you could still cycle and still notice breast tenderness or irritability or uh, brain fog or fatigue. But let's go back. If you have stress or adrenal stress, that because when you're menopausal, your adrenals have the job of picking up the job of balancing your hormones. And so before menopause, the adrenals are responsible for your fight, flight, or freeze, your cortisol, cortisol, and aldosterone, maintaining your blood pressure, running away from a lion. That's the adrenals job. But when you are entering menopause or perimenopausal and the ovaries are inconsistently performing, now you need the adrenals to pick it up. And they can produce DHEA, testosterone, estradiol, progesterone but not if they're stressed. If they're stressed, you're gonna go down that fight, flight, or freeze pathway. And that hormone balance pathway is nice to have, but not, not need to have, it's nice. And so you're gonna nix that. The minute you start to feel stressed, you're gonna exit out because you know, you're know you busy. But that means you don't have the required levels of estrogen, to, estradiol, testosterone, and progesterone to make you feel good. So your sleep gets disrupted, You can have anxiety, you can have headaches, brain fog, night sweats, day sweats, irregular periods. Because remember, your ovary, when you're born, you have a set number of eggs that you're going to produce in that life. And so as you approach your mid-40s or beyond, or even earlier if your mom did it earlier, your ovaries are no longer responding in the same way. So you don't go through these cycles of where your estrogen and progesterone peak and then you ovulate and then you either fertilize or you withdraw bleed. You don't go through that beautiful cycle. You start to be a little more erratic or irregular. So that's when the adrenals need to pick it up. So you can have gut changes, weight changes, hair loss, anxiety, night sweats, mood changes, irritability, uh, forgetfulness, changes in your period. I mean, just this huge list of things you can experience if your adrenals are not picking up the slack as you enter perimenopause.
0: And Wendy, before we go into what can we do, um, what are the different ways in some of these symptoms, most of them sound like they could impact sleep, waking up, having sweating, it's so uncomfortable, everyone is fine, and then you're sitting up and you're bathed in sweat. Or feeling anxious in the night. So I mean, there's so many ways it impacts sleep. But do you in your practice notice a lot of sleep challenges and uh, women struggling with sleep in that whole
1: perimenopause phase? Yeah, that's often one of the first signs women have of perimenopause is their sleep is disrupted. and, And they can understand why they're just not right and not either not able to fall asleep or not able to stay asleep. They typically will wake between two and four in the morning. And that's how I know, oh, you either have a liver issue and you're hypoglycemic, or you have an adrenal issue and the adrenals are inappropriately secreting catecholamines that, you know, women go into labor between two and four in the morning because the adrenals kick in for the day. So if it's inappropriately secreting high levels of cortisol, you're going to be awake, bam, wide awake, don't know why. And sometimes when you're awake, because it's stressful, you can have hot flashes or night sweats. So then it compounds and then you get upset that you're having this. And then that is a stressor on your adrenals. So then you start to feed forward. And then the next night you worry it's going to happen again. So you go to sleep anxious, but that anxiety is a cortisol event. And then your cortisol is inappropriate. So that causes you to have a hot flash again. So it really starts to feed forward in a negative way.
0: Yeah, absolutely. And I think you you know, when you spoke about adrenal time and 2 a.m. and how we're releasing cortisol and Ayurveda has that after 2 a.m. is Vata time, so air increases, so the nervous system gets imbalanced. And I'm always fascinated to see these connections between East and West and of. Uh, Af- though, I want to honor your time and talk about actionable things that women can do in this phase. So let's jump into what are the recommendations.
1: Yeah, There's so many things we can do. So I think it's really important to remember that the most, the, the foundational things that we always talk about are eat a super clean, healthy, minimally processed, low sugar, low to no alcohol eating plan. Work on getting enough sleep, right? uh, We'll get a second wind. So make sure you're in bed by 10 p.m. Get off the screens by 9 p.m. Wear blue light blocking glasses from essentially when it starts to get dark on or even five o'clock on, wear blue light blocking glasses so you don't impair melatonin release. Uh, You can take melatonin at night. You can add in progesterone in either the second half of your cycle or the whole cycle, depending on how much sleep disruption you have. You want to manage your adrenals with meditation, Epsom salt soaks, adaptogens that boost up or quiet the adrenals, depending on what women need. Uh, did I say acupuncture? Uh, acupuncture, meditation, appropriate exercise. It's it's very easy to over-exercise. So not exercise so much that you're exhausted, but exercise enough that you feel good at the end of it. And then that's level one. Um and then the next level is more hormones. If it turns out that you're really just not responding to what's happening. And by the way, you need to make sure there's no toxins because if you have toxins that are inflammatory, that will cause your periods and your female hormones to be out of balance. So ensuring that ensuring that the the female hormones are also balanced by removing toxins is very important. So there's a lot of things you can do. And
0: I'm so glad you brought up the aspect of don't exercise too much because
1: yeah
0: I mean there's a lot of information on this there's research on this about how overtraining impacts sex hormones and sometimes I just struggle with getting women to see this because I don't know what feeds that need to overtrain and you know when you're training for six hours a day and um, it's hard to calm down it's hard to fall asleep it's hard to have optimal levels of any hormones in that case and I'm so glad you brought that up but I'd love to go of course deeper because you always have some foundational aspects and deeper aspects
1: So I think, I think the deeper aspects look at, are there, are there specific mineral and nutrient deficiencies? Have we optimized your hormones? And when I say hormones, I mean your adrenals, your thyroid, and your female hormones, because your adrenals play such a critical role that you need to care and keep your adrenals healthy so that your perimenopause can be better. Can so I just you ask you,
0: yes, Wendy, I'm so sorry. I'm full of questions when I speak to you. It's just that when you spoke about adrenals, I'd like for you to clarify this because a lot of times I hear women saying, no, my practitioner checked my cortisol and everything is normal, but uh, they're still struggling. So what what is the true picture? But how do we know... Um. Black and white, whether we're having adrenal issues.
1: Yeah, I think you can you can do a straightforward evaluation, right? You can. I don't tend to test people's cortisol by blood because as soon as you come at them with a needle, their cortisol increases, right? Like, okay, hold still. So I don't usually do it by blood. I do it by saliva. I have people test their saliva throughout the course of a day and look at whether they're falling into expected ranges. If they're completely perfect... Then what I suspect is that there's some sort of dysfunctional adrenal work, but that it's not being picked up because if people are fatigued, they have an adrenal issue. So one is testing A to B. Are your are your cortisol measures low if they are? I mean, a lot of times we'll see people are either inappropriately high or low in the morning. If it's too high in the morning, it means the cortisol is inappropriately secreting overnight, which disrupts their sleep. And so we want to quiet them down before going to bed to prevent that surge. If they're too low in the morning, we want to boost them up. Either of those scenarios can cause a woman to have dysfunctional perimenopausal transition. And, and so we want to address the issues that we find. Also, you can be high at night, another over, over over-excretion of cortisol. We want to suppress that. So, that's one way to see. And then the other way is, hey, I I, you know, I went on vacation and it was super restful. I sat in my backyard and I didn't travel and I didn't do anything for a week and I was still tired. You know that there's an adrenal issue there layered on with some type of environmental toxicant or a thyroid issue. There's some other issue happening that they, a few days of good rest, don't fix the energy. You know, there's an adrenal issue. Hmm. And um, anything specific that you
0: check in terms of like what, uh, if there are hormonal challenges, you mentioned the progesterone and you mentioned about progesterone either in the second half of the cycle or throughout, but uh, is there something more that you do to support hormones if they're low on hormones or having dysregulation
1: there? yeah i'm always looking for what's happening in all of you right not just the hormones are the representation of what's happening in the rest of the system so going going holistically which is a term i really have a hard time with because a lot of people use it but really looking for what's happening in all of you taking you as a whole what's happening in your gut I call the gut, the liver, and the adrenals like the holy trifecta, because the three, those three things determine whether you're healthy or not. So looking at your adrenals, your liver and your gut, those are gonna tell me what are the odds that you're gonna get through this process reasonably well or, or feeling like a truck ran over you because they they run the body. So what's happening in there? Uh, what are your actual hormone levels to see how much do, you know, are you ovulating? Are, are you still producing eggs every month? If not, then you're much closer to menopause than someone who's just starting the process out and still having ovulatory cycles every month. So you really want to get a full deep dive on what's happening, fix the foundations. And I think we've talked a lot about sleep, eat, sleep, eat well, sleep well, poop regularly, manage your stress. Um, uh, move your body. These are the foundations. And then the next, make sure your gut is healthy. Make sure that the thyroid is well cared for. Make sure that the the food you're eating is getting you the nutrients and you need. And if not, take high quality vitamins to replace. And then the next step is, okay. Let's go back to tech toxins. Do you have heavy metals? Those can absolutely lead to changes in your menstrual cycles early menopause. Do you have mycotoxins, which are inherently an inflammatory state? Mycotoxins are the toxins that mold releases when it's in your body. Super creepy. So it releases that. And then do you have other environmental toxins that we're exposed to, like flame retardants, nail polish toxins, gasoline fumes, plastic perchlorate, PFAS, phthalates, you know, what? Uh, styrenes, VOCs, what's happening in there? Are you the repository? Are you the loyal repository for tons of toxins that are throwing off the system? We need to get that data. So, it's, but it, but you don't do that first because it's too complicated and it can really make you sick if you haven't dealt with your gut and your adrenals. So you sort of start with the platform, then deal with the gut, liver and adrenals, and then deal with the toxins. And just to
0: clarify, when somebody wants to do this deep level work, it's always better that they work with a practitioner.
1: I would, yeah. I think there's a lot of things you can do on your own, right? You can, you're can. you not going to harm yourself with magnesium. You might cause yourself to have diarrhea. Yeah. But if you're constipated and you take magnesium, you'll be relaxed while you're sitting on the toilet. You're not going to harm yourself. You're not going to harm yourself increasing your fiber. You're not going to harm yourself making sure that you do 20 to 30 sweaty minutes a day, right? Those are things anybody can do. You're not going to harm yourself by eliminating processed food, decreasing foods that have pesticides, and going for organic, minimally processed, high quality meats and vegetables. You're not going to harm yourself. You can do all of that on your own. But when you get into treating the adrenals, treating the toxins, or even evaluating them, you do really want to have functional medicine support so that they can get the data. You know, test, don't guess, right? Don't don't just sort of spend lots of money and time on things. Really get good data to understand what's happening for you. And then work with a provider so that they can guide you through it and be systematic.
0: And I think also not to just take something which has worked for your friend, Uh, because Mm -hmm. the picture within your body is so unique because a lot of times I hear people telling me that a supplement, something works really amazing for my friend in menopause so I started taking it Uh, and that's even in terms of our diet I think just a few days ago I heard somebody who said she was so excited because she said Mm -hmm. a friend of mine had convinced me to go vegan uh, and, you know, even if something you if, even if somebody wants to take on a path like that, I think it's good to work with somebody to see that you're doing it the right way, because otherwise you're setting yourself up to fail, especially if you've been you're transitioning straight from an omnivore to a vegan. And then uh, obviously the composition of your meals are going to change dramatically. Uh, Mm -hmm. so I think these are areas where support can be really helpful and of course I want to be sensitive to add that if that's something that you do want to do um, no judgment if it works for you great and my only caution is that work with someone so that you do it in the right way possible
1: totally I I would say that the vegan approach to eating is very challenging to support the liver for its detoxability with because the the omnivore eating plan gets you the flesh that supports phase two. and vegan is no dairy, no egg, no meat, no cheese, no flesh, no, nothing that will allow you to support phase two in the liver. So it's very there is a small group of people who do really well with vegan vegan eating plans. The, the vast majority of people don't get what they need in order to help the liver detox, which means some things are really good, but some things are not really good for them. It's a mixed bag. So definitely have supervision.
0: Uh, Wendy, I would love to have some truly actionable takeaways before we end the show is to just guide us through if you're in perimenopause, what's a great daily meal plan, a breakfast, a lunch, a dinner, maybe
1: just some frameworks into which we can apply. Sure. So every meal needs to have protein, especially if you're a woman who's looking to build muscle and lose fat, you want to eat somewhere between 80 to 100% of your body pounds in grams of protein so i weigh 126 pounds i want to eat between 105 and 126 grams of protein every day that's like the guide that's to build muscle you need at least your weight in in grams so eat high protein now if you're vegetarian like i do a protein shake for breakfast every uh, when i eat I do bone broth, but if you're a vegetarian, you're not going to eat that, right? So you won't get that. But uh, you could, if you're a pescatarian, you could do collagen in vegetarian bone broth to get the protein and build build protein that way. And then minimally processed, little to no alcohol, little to no added sugar. So start with those are foundational things. Most people do pretty well with those. So that's food. Move your body. Take adrenal supplements, presuming that you have adrenal dysfunction. Uh, so you want to boost your adrenals with adaptogens. Uh, those I would make sure you get either at a very reputable natural food store. Uh, if you're stateside, you can get go to Whole Foods. I would not go to... Uh, I wouldn't buy it online unless you know the company. I wouldn't buy it through like Amazon. I would not buy adaptogens on Amazon because you have no idea where it came from. So I would refrain from doing anything like that. But support the adrenals. Make sure, uh, you know, alcohol is really deadly for hot flashes. So minimize your alcohol. I think I mentioned that. And get a provider who's on the same page as you, who doesn't gaslight you, who doesn't say, oh, there's nothing wrong with you. Get a provider who can say, okay, here's what you should expect. Here's what's possible. Here's what you can do with your body. Here's how to optimize this process because it is, I am living proof of it. It is possible to come out on the other side of it feeling amazing, but you need the right inputs. And the earlier you do it, the better it is for you. And
0: final words Wendy what about caffeine and perimenopause?
1: What about what? Caffeine. Caffeine. Yeah. Well, if you start out adrenally stressed and then you add caffeine, you're essentially forcing the body to perform when it's tired. So if you're us- there are people who are genuinely in love with the routine and the ritual of ca- of of their daily cup of tea or coffee. But if they don't do it, they have no symptoms. They're fine. If that's your group cool but if you're reliant on the caffeine I would recommend trying to get off of it because it's falsely it's it's giving you false energy a and it's challenging your system when your system is saying I'm tired you're like work anyway so I would recommend women Consider decreasing caffeine. I know it's hard. And some people are cold turkey and get rid of everything at once. And some people are wean it down slowly. Nothing is right. It just depends. Neither is better. It just depends what works for you. Beautiful. And any final words, Dr. Trubo? Always. Uh, It is absolutely possible to feel great during this transition. You just need the knowledge to make the changes in your life that that are required. So work with someone who's going to support you, empower you, and give you the tools you need so that you can get through the days and the nights and feel great. And I
0: think I must finish on a lighter note because Dr. Trubo's first book is called Dirty Girl which is about toxins and she has another book coming out early next year and the title will definitely make you smile when you talk about perimenopause so Dr. Trubo
1: what's the title of your second book? Well, just as a precursor, Deepa, it's based on because I was sitting in the car one hot summer day and having the mother of all hot flashes. And my four kids are in the back of the car, and my husband opens the car door and he says something to me. Deepa, I have no idea what he said to me. And I looked at him and I said, If you value your life, turn on the car. Kind of nasty, right? And he's like, you know, we've been married a long time. He, I don't talk to him like that. So he's like, whoa, gets in the car, turns on the air conditioning and the car cools down and the kids, you know, we get on the road and I look at him, I said, I am so sweaty and bitchy. And that's the title of our book, I Sweaty love and it. Bitchy, From I Sex to it. Brain Function. <laughs> Yeah, because it was my story, right? Like I clearly
0: have lots of issues (laughs) that people
1: can write about.
0: (laughs) I think we've all been sweaty and bitchy. (laughs) Anyway, I look forward to your second book and maybe we'll have a conversation with you just when the book is about to release. But thank you again for a wonderful conversation. I love all my conversations with you. Have a great day. Thank
1: you, you too, Deepa.
0: Your perimenopause, is not meant to be in chaos. Even if you've spoken with several friends who have similar symptoms, common does not mean normal ever. I'd really encourage you to work with the skilled practitioners so you get tested without guessing, have systematic protocols based upon your unique body, And find your way back to immense balance. To explore my Signature One program, check out www.ohahealth.com. Have a great day. This podcast is intended to provide helpful and informative material on the subject matter covered in the episodes. The podcast is not acting in the capacity of a doctor or a registered dietitian and is not rendering any professional healthcare or medical service. The information in the podcast is not intended as a substitute for medical advice or services or as treatment or cure for any particular health condition. The advice and tools contained herein may not be suitable for your situation. Any medical questions regarding contraindications and cautions or any questions of whether or not to proceed with any practices provided in the show should be referred to qualified health professionals before adopting the same. The podcast specifically disclaims any responsibility for any liability, loss, risk, personal or otherwise which may be incurred as a direct or indirect consequence of the use of information from this podcast or the application adoption of any of the information provided.